Hello, I'm Deborah Knight from Nine Honey, and this is Honey Mums, a podcast all about sharing, sharing information, advice, and stories from the sometimes messy front line of parenting. Our guest this week, journalist and dad Peter Overton, on the highs and the lows of being a father. Every morning when I walk them to school, I put my hand just down by my side, and I know that within about two seconds I will feel a little hand grab it tightly. That is the absolute highlight of my day. The fate of the family chickens. Why Joe Abbey is putting off telling her kids the truths. I mean, we've had pets die before. Goldfish, it was sad. We did the toilet funerals. But these chickens were murdered viciously. Also the stay-at-home mom on ways to DIY your way to fabulous hair. Sandy Ray on a possible deeper reason children aren't paying attention. And my kids on their favourite time of the year. October, because it's my birthday and Halloween. It's all ahead on Honey Mums. Honey Mums! Now, we might be called Honey Mums, but we are getting some wonderful insight on this podcast on what parenting is like on the front line from dads. There are lots of common issues, of course, regardless of gender, but our guest this week is willing to open up hopefully more than he usually does, on some of the issues facing modern fathers and some of the issues that we might not have thought about as well. He's a dad, he's a journalist, he's my Channel 9 colleague, Peter Overton. Welcome to Honey Mums. Deb Knight, what a joy to be with you. And you're lucky this isn't my day where I close up. I'm prepared to open up like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad because we like openness. We like real comments and, and real anecdotes here on this podcast. So warts and all from you, Pete. Thanks very much. Well, I will honour that for you. Now, you are a hands-on dad, very much so, with your two gorgeous girls, Giselle and Allegra. How old are they now? Allegra is 11 and a half and Giselle is nine. And Allegra won't hear this podcast, so I will say that Puberty has just crashed through our front door with her oh. and left a trail of debris. Has it? And Jessica and I are coming to grips with that and trying to... I, I now what, know what those signs mean, you know, stay calm. <laughs> I'm trying to stay calm at all times, but my goodness me, it was like a switch being flicked So overnight. she's just a different person? Well, not only developing physically, but emotionally. The And she's a beautiful kid, but she'll go to me, I'm so sorry, Daddy, the hormones are rushing around. So I, she knows it's going well, on. we talk so openly to mm. her about it and we say this is what's happening to you and this is why it's happening and then she'll she can moody and she'll get cranky with me but the great thing is she'll come back to you and say I'm really sorry I apologize and Jessica and I are thrilled about that because she knows and she understands what's going on and she realizes we do too but there's a line if you cross it you've got to understand that you've crossed it and yeah. come back and Rectify. Which is which is what you want. Which you want that 100%. sort of real acknowledgement that uh, she's she's probably confused of what's going on yeah. with her as well as much as you are. Yeah. And you think, don't you, that you've you've kind of nailed it when you get through a stage, mm. and then you turn around, <laughs> as you say, and you, you hit smack bang in the face with another stage. Exactly. And I'm sure, watching my beautiful sisters Annette and Rebecca, those stages continue through <laughs> our parents' lives forever. And uh, but it's it's wonderful. And and Giselle's a beautiful uh, nine year old who still has that lovely almost innocence of childhood about her and uh, still every morning when I walk them to school I put my hand just down by my side and I know that within about two seconds I will feel a little hand grab it tightly and I just you know what that is the absolute 
highlight of my day when her little hand slips into mine. Which is lovely. And hold on to dear life because, as you say, in a couple of years, she probably won't want to do it. Allegra is already walking in front of us to school. (laughs) So how do you think being a dad has changed you personally? I think it's made me better at my job. Uh, I was at 60 minutes from 2001 till the end of 2008, and I became a dad late uh, in the piece there. And while I'm a naturally empathetic person, I think having kids and my unconditional purity of love I Mm. have for them has just made me even more empathetic when it comes to doing those interviews uh, with families, with kids, or for whatever reason. And I'm, I am a naturally empathetic person, as I said, but they've, they've opened my eyes uh, to a lot more. Uh, Jessica has done the same, but I, I don't know. I, I just they, they bring me unconditional joy every single day. Um, and makes me a better person for it. Yeah, and you you sort of get very emotional when you talk about it too, because it, it does hit you in the heart. They they really they they test you, but gee, they bring some joy. I use that phrase, purity of love. Mm. I've I love Jessica. I love my mum and dad. I love my siblings siblings, but I've never felt such purity of love for two little people. And they rely on you, and that is such an honour that two little people rely on you and ask you great questions, and you've got to give them thoughtful answers not dismiss them and we're all guilty of dismissing those Mm. oh come on I'm so tired I just want to go to bed or come on get into bed but I need your help with my homework and so on so you know it's not perfect by any stretch but when all that is pushed away it's just the greatest gift ever and we hear a lot about mother guilt and I'm you know we're we're our worst enemy really when when you're a working mum and when you've got the kids at home the family and you you fall short often in Mm. in both areas Mm. I know that dad's you know, we don't hear about dad guilt that often, but do you feel sometimes that you you fall short in both realms? Well, I, I'm lucky that I, with the job, I, I can get in, you know, once the traffic's gone, so I can walk them to school. And that has been one of the, I think, great building blocks of our relationship. So I don't have a lot of guilt around that, that I have that great privilege that I can do it. There are times, of course, when I have to say, I can't be there, I can't do that. So I miss a lot of all their evening stuff. And of course, you you think, Oh, but then I'll just say I'm paying your school fees, kids, so that's what's happening. <laughs> but Jessica, she, she, we're lucky. She has stepped away from her job. And, and she's made that decision, the conscious decision, as a, a family, job she loves, though. As a family, we made that, mm. and uh, we can do it. And I know a lot of people can't do it. And that has that was one of her big issues, that the kids needed her, particularly as puberty and mm. all those other things that come with turning 11, 12, 13, arrive at the mm. doorstep. And I know that I shared a, a common bond with, with Jess when I, I also struggled quite a lot to have my kids, went through IVF, went mm. that miscarriage. I didn't have postnatal depression, but lots of issues that were shared in common there. And we hear a lot about the mothers and what they go through, but the dads share that too, every step of the way. Well, certainly uh, the IVF journey and the postnatal depression, uh, I was a massive part of that. Obviously, I was travelling for 60 minutes when the both we both did that, and Jessica was at the Today show and that was all you know not so good for her Mm. but our our wonderful secret that kept us sustained and surviving was in the whole today show debacle we we were doing IVF Mm. and we had four attempts and we got beautiful Allegra then we got the postnatal and I was traveling with 60 minutes and that was that was very challenging as I tried to negotiate an eight-month travel schedule every year with a wife who was very ill. And I remember getting home from a trip one day and I sat on the couch. We had couches that were sitting opposite, we, that faced each other. And she said, I'm not coping. And I, typical male, said, well, 
you all right? You know, what's you'll be okay. And she said, no, I'm not coping. Yep. And I got up and went and hugged her and said, we will, you know, typical male, I wasn't at that moment. We looked for a solution. I said, I'm here to support you. Yeah. And uh, I remember my boss at 60 Minutes when I went in and explained the situation. I couldn't have asked for more. When you're honest about what's going on in your life, I said, I don't want to broadcast at this point, but mm. we, this is what's going on in our life. And yes, to go to your point, to talk to your point, we share it. We shared, we shared it in its rawest form. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, anyway, we got through it. And we were public about it as well. And, and I thank you for being public about it because I think that it's helped so many other people who have been through similar situations to know that they're not alone. Can I tell you, I did a DVD for Beyond Blue uh, where they interviewed me, a psychiatrist there, about what it's like to be a partner with someone with postnatal depression. And I was standing on Avoca Beach on the central coast of New South Wales probably four or five years ago now. And I remember this man, he, he was looking at me and I could almost, I knew he recognised me uh, from my job and I could sense that he wanted to talk to me. So I, you know, relaxed my body language and made it very accessible for him. And he came across and he said, Peter, my name's Jack and I'm, I'm from Rockhampton, but I now live in Sydney and work for a bank. And I want to say that you saved me as I tried to figure out what was wrong with my wife. Wow. And I will never forget that conversation because it, that cliche of, well, if it helps one person, Absolutely. but it did. Yeah. And I've always held on to that, that people sometimes criticise you for being so open about stuff, but my goodness me, it helps a lot of people. It helps a lot of people. All right, Pete, what is the worst thing about being a dad? Oh, my goodness, Deb, the worst thing. Uh, I think the the talking back at you. No, there's nothing wrong about <laughs> being a dad. There's nothing wrong. Uh, look, I think. No, 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 there's nothing Look wrong. Look at you. I love it. I love it. I mean, we'd love to go to the movie. You know, when you don't have kids. You can, you, you, you can do what you like. You're footloose and fancy free. You're footloose free. and fancy free now. You tick to the metronome of the child's life yeah, and uh, yeah. it's all it's all good. It's all great. And they'll be gone before we know Absolutely. It. Which does segue to the best part, doesn't it? That Indeed. they are part of your life for, for, for good and bad and uh, and they challenge us and we love them unconditionally. We do. Pete, thank you so much. I've loved that. Thanks, Deb. Good on you. It's often thought that getting a pet can be a really good way of teaching children all sorts of life lessons like responsibility, learning to care for others and the simple joy, I guess, of unconditional love. But when animals die, it can be really confronting. And Joe Abbey, you are putting off facing the music when it comes uh, to some chickens. I mean, we've had pets die before, goldfish, several, because I didn't know how to look after the water. It was sad. We did the toilet funerals. Pretty sad, but these chickens were murdered viciously. So <laughs> whose chickens are they? Okay, so they're my mum. They were, you know, rest in peace, my mother's <laughs> chickens. She had six chickens. My parents are Italian. They've always had chickens, and they give the vegetable scraps to the chickens. And when my kids go to my parents' house, the first thing I do is run out the back, check for eggs, visit the chickens. They love them. Uh, so I was at my mum's house a few days ago, and I'm like, it's quiet. Where are the chickens? Where's She's, the brook, 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 brook? She said a fox murdered them. I'm like, we're in the middle of, like, how? and estates. How did a fox get here? Yeah. And she said, 
She left the chickens out because it was sort of a warm night. She didn't put them in the cage. They were just in like their enclosure. Mm. And she woke up the next morning and they were all dead. And my brother Googled it and we realised it was a fox because the fox had just removed their heads. Okay, don't go into the gory details. So, yeah, good. It'll it'll put me off eating some chicken for dinner tonight. So we buried them around the backyard. Buried them around the backyard. Yeah, so we found the chickens and we realised it was a fox because we Googled all the details. And also mum said a couple of Did you look at the gory pictures? No. Good. No. Continue. Mum said that she had smelled like a smell and I Googled it and foxes do have a sort of scent. And oh. Apparently there's like city foxes and they dig and they hover and store. So this is educational. You learn a lot about foxes in the process. Yes, but how do I tell my kids How this? do you like, tell the kids? Mummy's going to teach you about foxes. I mean, I haven't even told them the chickens are dead. So they don't know. No. So I've basically... May they rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> I've not brought them to my parents' house, my kids, because I don't want them to notice because mum was like, oh, well, that's what happens. What I'll do is I'll pick the kids up during you know the school holidays or a break and I'll take them chicken shopping I'm like yeah but you've got chicken to- shopping yeah to the farm we'll get some new ones and they can pick some little chicks I said, yeah but then we've got to explain what happened to the previous do you know what ones. I reckon your kids will be fine with it if it's you the think? prospect of getting some cute little baby chickens they'll move on they'll be like yeah whatever those chicks are dead well, let's go and get some little baby cute ones I'm going to pull out my old divorce trick where I told the kids I was getting a divorce in the car and they went but there's a pool I'm going <laughs> to put them in the car and drive towards the farm and go the chickens were murdered by a fox but we're getting new ones and just sort of let the crying and hysteria happening in the well, car. Well, the chickens have the gone to a better there. place. You know, They've rest- gone to chicken heaven. The May only they rest thing in peace. I love about Catholic education is I can say the chickens are in heaven. They're in heaven. <laughs> They're in heaven. They're in a nicer place. They're laying yes. golden eggs. But we didn't even bury them. There's not even little burial sites where the kids can pray or put flowers Meh, on. you know. My mum and dad threw them in the bin. I mean... <laughs> They're just so cold I reckon your kids will be cool with it. Kids, they, you know, we, we underestimate the uh, the mm. ability for kids to, to deal with situations. And if you say to them, we're going to get some cute, fluffy new chickens, uh, they'll be on board. I don't know. But I'll let you know. Let me know. I think you're wrong, but I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll check in soon, Joe. Thank sure. you. There are certain times of the year that we all look forward to, but it is different for everyone. Some people love Christmas, others view it simply as a really stressful time of year that does blow out the family budget. So, I thought I'd ask my kids what their favourite time of the year is. So, Dust, what is, do you think, your favourite time of the year? Probably Christmas. Yeah. Why? Because in Christmas time you get to see like everyone in your family mm-hmm. and it's the holidays so you can see lots of your friends, you can go on holidays. Elsa, what do you think is your favourite time of the year? October. The month of October. Why? Because it's my birthday and Halloween. And Halloween in October. There's lots mm-hmm. happening in October and there's school holidays in October. Yeah. Cool. It's nearly your birthday soon. Mm-hmm. How old will you be? I'll be eight. Eight years old. So grown up. So, Audie, do you like Christmas Um, when Santa comes? Yes. Why do you like Santa? Because presents. He brings you presents. Yeah. What would you like Santa to bring you this year? I'm a big girl dolly. A big girl dolly. A baby one. A baby
you're a new parent, some days you're lucky to even get out of your pyjamas, frankly. So looking after your hair does tend to go well down the list of priorities. But Jodie Allen from the Stay at Home Mum, you've got some great DIY remedies for achieving fabulous hair, saving us time and money. What do you got? Well, um, there's five things. Uh, apple cider vinegar is the first one. Most people have it in their kitchen already. And it's a really good after shampoo rinse, especially if you get like the winter itchies or you're just prone to dandruff. You just, after you finish shampooing, conditioning, you just pour it over. You don't even have to rinse it out and it makes your hair all glossy and beautiful and it takes that itch away. Beautiful. So it's a really handy thing to have. Uh, next one's avocado. Uh, you just mash it up, put it in your hair and it makes a really, really good moisturising mask. Wow. It's a really good one if your avocado is like, you don't want to put a good avocado in your hair, but if you let it go a little bit too manky. Oh, yes. Great reuse of it. That's fantastic. That's exactly right. Uh, next one's beer. Um, beer makes your hair really, really shiny and it doesn't make you smell like a brewery. So again, <laughs> it's another one. After the conditioner, you just pour it through and uh, you don't rinse it out. And You, you don't, don't rinse it out. You don't rinse it out. And it just, it makes your hair really, really shiny. It's it okay. works really well. Um, honey is another good one, um, and and eggs, and they both work the same way. They're they're very moisturising. Mix them together, throw it in, put a put a little bit of Glad wrap around there to get a bit of heat for an hour, and your hair will be all beautiful. Um, and the the last one's mayonnaise. And Mayo. Mayo. It sounds gross, but when you think about it, it's just egg and oil, which are things that we, we've recommended anyway. So um, you do wash that one out. It tends to curdle on the hair, but it is it makes it it's really good for curly hair. Uh, very, very moisturising and, yeah, makes hair shiny. Wow. Food for the kitchen, helping fabulous hair. I love it. I'll give it a try. Maybe not the beer. We'll see how we go. Thanks, Jodie. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hi, it's Sandy Ray, Nine Honey Mum's favourite psychologist here. I'm going to talk about a really important concept, and that's about children and listening. There's lots of interesting articles about children's behaviour, that they disobey parents, that how do I get my child to do what I want them to do? But one thing that is really missing, and people don't understand it either at primary school level or preschool level, is attention. There's a psychological issue called central auditory processing. And what that means is that children, we have foreground noise and we have background noise. Children who have a central auditory processing difficulty have trouble discriminating between the two. So say if there was noise outside the window in the classroom, they may not be able to understand, do I pay attention to that noise or do I pay attention to uh, to the teacher? So what I would recommend for parents, first and foremost, if you've got a child who is persistently not paying attention, persistently you're getting reports from you know the, the teacher that they're jumping around the classroom, they're having trouble reading, they're not concentrating, I would suggest you go to an audiologist and get a central auditory processing assessment. One way you can do this at home, just to give as a rule of thumb, is out of sight, Send your child down the hallway or where they cannot see your lips or visual instructions and ask for them to get three things from their bedroom. It might be, uh, Jack, can you bring down your football, a jumper and a pair of socks ready for school tomorrow morning? What you will often find with these children is that they lose track 
after the first instruction. So rather than you know, engaging in lots of discipline and we have these psychological profiles of these children as being you know, misbehaving and negligent and non-compliant, I would really encourage parents to think of an alternative way before we start engaging in psychological warfare with these children and go to an audiologist. Now, I've been looking back at photos of my kids as babies, and they're very cute, but I do find it hard to work out who they look like, my husband or me. I know they've got certain personality traits that are his or mine, but when it comes to your own kids, who are they more like, you or your partner, and why? I always say that it is when they are neat and tidy and well-behaved, which is not often, that they are like me, and when they're mucking up and refusing to listen... Uh, that's when they're like their father. I think my kids are a lot like me because I think they're fabulous. Half the people are saying that she looks like me and half the people are saying that she looks like her mum, my wife. Um, but she's a very, very beautiful child, so I'm going to say she looks more like my wife. pretty sure that uh, everyone agrees, including myself, that my daughter looks um, a lot like me. So our son looks a bit like both of us. Um, in terms of personality-wise, he is... a bit of both of us. We're very loving and affectionate so we make sure that the traits that our parents taught us, we relay with him. I'd love to hear from you. Share your stories on our Nine Honey Facebook page and we love your feedback on all of our questions, particularly our one last week when it comes to the future, what's the most important thing you want for your children? And I've got to say, there's a common thread here. Susan says, happy and healthy. Elaine, to be happy. Kylie, happy and a fulfilled life. And happiness too from Elizabeth, Michelle and Mary as well as Lynn. So yeah, we all want them to be happy and healthy. Tanya's saying to be strong-minded, independent and confident. Some fabulous views there from you. Subscribe to us on iTunes, give us a review and head to the Nine Honey website for more great advice and information. We'll hear more stories on parenting next week on Honey Mums.